In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I call your attention to the words of our text. 1 Peter 2, verses 19 to 25. The Apostle writes, For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is our text. As a young boy, I saw my mother weep. The first time was at my grandfather's funeral. At age five, I didn't quite understand what was going on. So I asked, Mom, why are you crying? Because I'm sad, she explained. Later that year, my uncle got married. And again, I asked my mother, Mom, why are you crying? Because I'm so happy, she explained. And just as there may be opposite reasons for weeping, joy and sadness, so St. Peter tells us that there are opposite reasons for suffering. The text selected for this Good Shepherd Sunday challenges us with the question, can you suffer like Christ? Of course, we cannot suffer to the extent of the Son of God. We cannot bear the burden that He bore. And we cannot suffer as He did in atonement for sin. Woe to those who imagine that they can add anything to the atonement or merit anything before God by their temporal pains, especially if self-administered or self-chosen. But there is a sense in which we even in our ordinary pains and provocations, can suffer in a way that is Christ-like. So let us meditate today on a theme suggested by our text. There are two kinds of suffering. The consequence of sin and the consequence of righteousness. Some of our suffering is a consequence of sin, a punishment. For in this world we receive evil for evil, sooner or later. Sometimes the evil we do is deliberate. We choose to injure someone, sometimes just for fun. Teasing, where the fun is one-sided. 
or bullying for the power trip. We've known adults to do this in socially acceptable ways as well as the bullies in the schoolyard. Sometimes the evil we do is careless. We fail to consider the consequence of our actions. Drunk driving where the killer didn't mean it kills more than premeditated murder in our country. And when the responsibility falls on one of us for the evil we have done, we suffer for it. Embarrassment, shame, guilt, not to mention penalties, the loss of freedom or loss of privilege and loss of prestige, which seems to mean more to many of us than anything else. The loss of face. Such suffering tempts us to denial or displacement. We deny and try to forget our guilt or what we have done or failed to do. And a guilty conscience often gives itself away. I didn't do it, we exclaim, before the subject is even brought up or we are even accused. Displacement is even worse. But then we go on the attack. Then we blame others. We identify a scapegoat so we can escape the responsibility and the burden of changing our subsequent behaviors. Some of us go through life repeating the same actions that trigger consequences we refuse to acknowledge. Some people, disaster seems to follow them wherever they go. Wherever you go, there you are. And we have sayings that get at this. What goes around comes around. As you do to others, so shall it be done to you. Our Lord applied this to violence in particular. He who takes up the sword will die by the sword. And so suffering becomes for us a temptation. We are tempted to displace it onto others and increase the evil. So we have feuds that develop. He bumps me. I shove him back. He hits me. I hit him back. One of us gets injured. We vow revenge. We rally our friends. And the evil multiplies across the face of the earth. When suffering like this comes our way, it reminds us who believe of our sin. Suffering prompts the believer, the Christian, to self-examination. That's why our response to disaster and difficulty is a call to repentance, turn to the Lord, and we examine our hearts and confess our sin. And we can learn from our suffering. A painful sliver taught me to wear gloves when working with rough wood. And similar experiences taught me to put on a tough exterior when working with rough people. When such suffering comes your way, let it turn you to Christ. You know, we respond in one of two ways to suffering. We either break under it, acknowledge who's in charge, or we respond defiantly. 
And when God allows suffering to come your way, be broken. The sacrifice acceptable to God is the broken spirit. And that's talking about acceptance. A broken and a contrite heart, David wrote, God will not despise. When we suffer for our own fault, our own guilt, we need to acknowledge it frankly and turn to the one who delivers forgiveness, the one who has borne its eternal consequence on the cross. But other suffering comes as a consequence of righteousness. And because we tend to think of suffering as caused by sin, we may imagine that when we suffer that God is against us. And nothing could be further from the truth. God never promised that if you turn to Him, you'd escape all suffering. Quite the contrary. He said, take up your cross and follow me. And that's what Peter is reminding us in today's text. He says, for this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Hard as it is to believe such suffering is a gift of God, a sign of His favor. This truth has prompted some to say, to wish that God would send His favors elsewhere. I recall once excelling in a math class, and my reward was to get a still harder problem. My parents had to remind me that this was a a real honor, a real challenge, that I should be glad to have this extra work. The mature recognize and accept this. I was immature at the time. St. Peter writes, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, so that you might follow in his steps. Following Christ. There are miracles, and then there's suffering. There's acclamation, and then there's rejection. There are ups and downs when we follow in the footsteps of our Lord and the occasional suffering for righteousness should not surprise us. This is why the martyrs are the most celebrated of the followers of Christ. They were able to return good for evil and so imitate Christ. And if you're going to imitate Christ and return good for evil, then you've got to expect there to be some evil coming your way, not caused by your own sin. Now, you and I might not be ready to endure as some of the martyrs did. You and I might not be as mature as some Christians in church history have been. So God starts most of us out small. Holding your tongue when others say something to you. Or even returning a good word when someone makes a nasty remark. That would be returning good for evil. That would be suffering unjustly. 
waiting patiently while others abuse your time. So often that's what we encounter in our day-to-day -day life. Our time is important, it's valuable. We want to get all things done, not just for ourselves, but for other people. And others don't seem to be aware of the value of time. Now you can waste more time in recrimination, in arguing, in yelling at people, and abuse and hurt relationships as well, returning evil for evil. Or you can use that opportunity to explain the value of time, to return a blessing instead of a curse, to instruct the ignorant, make them aware of what's important, not who they've offended. The most eminent way to deal with unjust suffering is to forgive others. Forgive by accepting their limitations and working with that. You know, some of our closest relationships, we might say that we forgive people who are close to us, but we don't accept their limitations. And so we'll forgive them being late just this once. But if they're late again, then we can feel abused and resentful. But we need to accept people and recognize their limitations. That may mean giving up some illusions that we have for others. It may mean letting go of the debt. You know, when someone owes you something, every time you see him, you think, that person owes me something. I got it over him or her. But forgiveness really means letting all that go. So although someone may owe you, you've let it go. You no longer feel superior because you've let it go. Something else you can do is to let quarrels, vendettas, etc. end with you. To return good for evil. And that may mean avoiding unnecessary temptation. If every time you get together with somebody, you, you step on each other's toes, you get in each other's way, you take what each other says in wrong ways, then maybe you need to avoid those temptations. It kind of goes along with accepting others for whom they are and maybe acknowledging yourself for who you are. Recognizing what tempts you, irritates you, and avoiding such occasions for sin. And then we can recognize the temptation to displace anger or hurt onto others. I'm going to speak of a painful example of some giving care to someone who is very sick. When you are a caregiver and you're helping someone who is in pain and afraid and alone, don't expect to be thanked when the patient is full of pain. Pain causes us to focus in on ourselves and ignore the needs of people around us. So when you are in that role of a caregiver, know what to expect. And by the same token, if God forbid you should become such a patient, don't forget to thank those who care for you, visit you, share your pain, spend some time with you, 
Sure, your pain is greater than theirs. But to acknowledge those who care for you, rather than displacing your anger, your frustration, your fear upon others around you, then your last illness becomes an occasion of blessing. When you can bear with this unjust suffering after the manner of Christ. For walking in the footsteps of our Savior is not easy, especially when we suffer. Let suffering as a consequence of sin drive you to repentance and submission to God who forgives. And let suffering for righteousness remind you that God's favor is on you to enable you to return good for evil. Look to Christ on his cross and recall his glorious resurrection. Apply it in your present difficulties, temptations, vexations, and problematic relationships. Seek to return good for evil. And the grace of the risen Christ will be manifest in your life. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.